Thank you, Jesus. What's keeping you from God? Amen. God is here. God is around you. But what could be possibly keeping you from God? And I say to you today, and it's interesting in light of prophecy and so on like that, but how many really want to move to a higher level in God? How many really want to move to a new place in God? How many really want to move to a new experience with God? How many really want to have a deeper understanding of the things of God? Many times while we are in church and we get so kind of pumped up from the praise and worship and from being around other members of the body of Christ, we really desire that deeper understanding of God. But does it really stay with you throughout the course of the day and throughout the rest of the week? Who wants to really understand God so that they can live a more, a more complete and a more victorious life? Well, if this sounds like you or if you fit into that category, you need to get hold of four, four, you need to get a hold of four very profound words that are found in the word of God. Real understanding of these four words could actually mean the difference between success and failure in your life. The real understanding of these very four, these four very profound words could meet, make the difference between success and failure in your life. Before we go even further, though, let's understand that the only one, the only one that can impact your life for good or for bad is you. The only one. OK. God has set a plan for you. He has directions for you, but the only one can make those plans for your life come to fruition and to be real is you. Okay? So, if you're not succeeding or if you're wrestling and you're struggling, don't fall back on the old excuse that the devil made me do it. Okay? Because you indeed have some input into this. So, whatever your life is going to be relies greatly on you. So let's go to the word of God to see these most, these four most important words. And we go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Okay. We should all be there in record time. Being that that's the easiest book to find. Amen. Right there in the beginning of the book, of the Bible. Amen. So we go to Genesis 1. The Bible starts with four words. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Please underline. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Four words. The Bible starts with these very first, these words, because God was always first. Nothing was before him. God was always first. In the very beginning, there was God. Now, this beginning, of course, according looking here in the book, it kind of sets some sort of a time reference. But that beginning is some unknown distant time in space, some, some distant time in the past. Of course, if you get to people who believe in um, evolution, all like that, they'll try and say the universe was created 15 billion years ago and there was the Big Bang and all that kind of stuff. Nonsense, actually, because if they thought that there was some primordial atom that started the whole thing, where was that? Where did that atom came from? God had to create the atom. So in the beginning was God. So not to stray, God is first. Therefore, if God was first in the beginning of all things, God must be first in your life. God must be first in your life. God must be first in your relationships. God must be first in your thoughts. God must be first in your marriage. God must be first where things are concerning your kids. Everything in the Bible really points to the fact that God is indeed first. And we see that amplified when we go to Exodus. Go to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we want to go to verse number three. Exodus chapter 20. While you're getting there, God needs to be put first. And underline these scriptures here that we're going to go over today, because as I said today, 
earlier, a few minutes ago, that these things could determine the success or the, or the failure in, in your life of things that you're hoping and you're praying for. And the reason that I ask you to underline is because just like when you were in school and you underlined your textbooks, this is for future reference so that later on when you're reading the Bible, you'll have these references before you and they will, will spark and trigger um, um, certain things that you've heard, certain sermons that you heard or, or other words that the Holy Spirit may have given you. It's very important that while we, the word of God says to study, to show yourself approved. Amen. So the same study habits that we took, we had in school. If you had good study habits in school, and I'm assuming that we all did, amen, <laughs> so-so anyway, I see some faces out there, but praise God. You made it through, so you must have studied something, right? So, but underlining, in, underlining scripture as we go through them helps to have a reference point for later on when you're praying and reading the word of God. So here we're talking about God being first, okay? And so in chapter 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are laid out. And the first commandment you see there in verse number three, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Underline that, please. So that right there says that God is first and there should be no other gods before. Now, obviously, back then they were living in a time there where there were there, there was a, a, a pantheon, a, prolifer- a proliferation of gods because there were so many uh, um, heathen, and, heathen and pagan people out there that had gods of the sun, god of the trees, god of the hole in the ground. I mean, you name it, there was a god. Amen. But God, Jesus, God with a capital G is saying you shall have no other god before me. OK, so this means that God has to be first in our lives. You see, many times we get so connected, matter of fact, we get too connected to other things and to other people. Where we wind up putting people and things and situations, events and things, and our wants before God. You've got to remember that if, if God is going to be first in your life, then that's where God has to remain, is first. You can't let other things come before him. It's one thing to be helpful and to be responsive to the needs of others. People always reach out to you at, the, at, the, at their most opportune time, not necessarily your most opportune time when you're trying to go to church, when you're trying to pray, when you're trying to do something for God. It's one thing to be helpful and responsible to others, but did you ever stop to think? You ever stop to think that when you are responding to be helpful to that other person, if you haven't been putting God first in your life, how much help can you really give to that other person? How can you provide words of wisdom when you haven't been putting God in your life? How can you provide spiritual support? How can you give words of advice if you haven't been get putting God first in your life? The last thing that I would, I would want to do if I was uh, uh, looking for a car, let's say a, a new car, and I wanted some good professional you know, uh, advice, the last thing I would do is go to, the, uh, go to Winco. <laughs> You know, okay. I want to go to someone that has that knowledge, that has good, deep knowledge. So when people are calling on you and you want to be responsive, which is all well and good, but if you have been putting God first in your life, then how are you going to be able to even help them? How are you going to be able to, to even, you know, provide any sort of input, input uh, support to them? Sometimes when we have gotten in the habit of putting people or things first, you may actually need to fast from something. Okay, you get to the point where other things are so important to you. And here I get to my strawberry shortcake. Okay, where I just love strawberry shortcake or did love. Come to think, I haven't had strawberry shortcake in I don't know how long. But it gets to a point in your life when you are so willing to just give in and do something and you almost seem like you can't help yourself. You may need to fast. Fasting from a thing, it could be. It could also be fasting from a habit. It could be also fasting from people. Stop and think about that. You find people that may pop into your life that always wind up leading you astray, always inadvertently taking you down a path that you really don't want to go down. Maybe you need to start thinking about maybe not not actually severing the relationship, but at least modifying the relationship where God can be first. Okay, because if God is not first, then, you know, you start, you've got to start thinking about what is pulling you away. When God said there in that first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, how many of you realize that another person in your life, another set of events, another, uh, another situation that always pops up that you wind up putting first, and it puts, it puts that situation, that person before, before God, then you wind up running a very, very dangerous road here. You're going down because you're putting something or things or people before God. Sometimes you may need to actually fast. Now, hold on to this fact here really, really closely. 
A physical act that you do, a physical act that you do can bring about powerful spiritual results. A physical act that you do can bring about powerful physical results. Let's go to the book of Daniel. You're going to go, go to Daniel, Daniel 1. Okay, go to Daniel 1. A physical act, something that you wind up doing, especially something that is God-directed, especially something that you know is preventing you from really being, having God first in your life, there may be something that you need to do in order to turn things around. You see, the interesting thing about God is that the things that we do, in, you know, this walk that we have on this earth is preparation for our walk and our lives in heaven, which will be eternity. So when you get down and you really, really start wanting to understand the deeper spiritual things of God and how God works and how and how and, and, and how the, the, the natural world. Though separate from the spiritual world, the natural world oftentimes intertwines with the spiritual realm. And we see that all through scripture. Okay, but since we are not operating 100 percent and fully because we are still alive in flesh and blood bodies, because of the fact we're not operating 100 percent in the spiritual realm, then there are things that we must do here in the physical realm many times to activate things in the spiritual realm. So we see it looking at Daniel ch uh, chapter one and we're going to start at verse one. We're going to read right through all of this as long as Holy Spirit gives us the time. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, little g. And he brought the, new, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So he wanted to take these bright children here and teach them the language of the Chaldeans and have them in the king's palace and so on. Verse number five. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat of the king's under, underline provision of the king's meat. And the king appointed them a daily portion of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, underline and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years and at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, now he listen to verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart, he chose, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Please underline all of that, please. Daniel chose, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the units that he might not defile himself. So he said to the one that was overseeing him, the prince of the eunuchs here, that I can't take this stuff. And so I'm having, you know, asking you permission that it don't make me defile myself. Verse number nine. Now, God had brought Daniel unto favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse, worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. So he's saying that if you don't partake of the king's meat and drink of his wine, then you're going to start looking bad and I'm going to get the blame. Because he was, he was their overseer. Okay, so he was worried about that. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So this is vegetables and other stuff besides the king's meat. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. 
Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portions of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he's saying, after ten days, give us, a, you know, our vegetarian diet, so to speak. Okay, and then after that, compare us to the kids who are eating the kids' meat and drinking the, kids, the, the, the king's meat and drinking the king's wine. Verse 14. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Please highlight that whole uh, verse there. At the end of ten days, their countenances, or they appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portions of the king's meat. Okay, so in other words, they decided to partake of the things of the world, which is the king, so to speak. Instead of sticking to, to, to a diet where, where, where he knew it was God-ordained or God-blessed, he chose not to go the way of the world. And as a result of that, it says that they appeared fainter, fairer and fatter. So they were better off than those who went the way of the world, so to speak, okay? So you ask yourself, am I choosing here? Am I making any choices to not do what God would have me do? but to go along with the ways and the habits and the likings of others. Which one am I choosing to do? Daniel chose to be steadfast. And as a result, it says that they appeared fairer and fatter. But the story gets even better. Verse 16. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for, the, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Please highlight all of verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should, he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Okay? So as a result of them not doing what the king wanted them to do, but continue to live a godly life and doing what God would have them to do, okay? They wound up greatly benefiting in that it says there that in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired of them. So God gave them special knowledge. Um, if you look up there again uh, in verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding all visions and dreams. So God blessed them mightily. God gave them supernatural gifts, okay? So by them fasting from what the king would have them to do, God moves mightily in their lives. So if you get to the point where Daniel chose, I'm going to put God first here. I'm not going to put the king first, I'm going to put God first. So if you choose in your life to put God first all the time in your life, Think about the ways that God could wind up blessing you. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. So if you choose to do what God would want you to do, or if you decide that there's a situation I'm going to fast from, the way Daniel did, there's someone that I'm going to fast from, because this person, this situation, these events, these things, they keep happening, they keep coming up and blocking me and standing in the way of me being able to truly worship God when I want to worship Him, and when I should be worshiping, this thing always pops up. This person always comes in. This, this event, this whatever it is, keeps coming. And like I said, it's great that you would want to help people, but if you aren't in line with the will of God, then how can you provide help to someone else? A physical act will bring about powerful spiritual results. Amen? Amen? So think about that as you go into your life. What is it, God, that you might be telling me to do, that I need to do? Okay? We see another physical act here. Go to, um, go to the book of Joshua. Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6, praise God. A physical act can bring about 
powerful spiritual results. Sometimes we're looking for things. We want to go deeper with God. As I opened in saying here, many of us, how many want to really get deeper in God, to have a deeper understanding of God relative to, to well, first of all, deeper understanding of God himself, but relative to our lives. You know, it sounds so great when it says that God is there to help you and whatnot, but how do I incorporate that? How do I activate it to really help in my life? Joshua chapter 6, starting with verse number 1. We're saying here a physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. Verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly locked up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given... I have given, meaning it's a done deed, underlined given, I I have given. I have given, done deal, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horn. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass, verse 5, it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall uh, uh, ascend up every man straight before him. Okay. now in the natural, we say now these children of Israel, they were outside the city of Jericho. They saw these huge walls. If you read some of the archaeological and historical accounts of the city of Jericho, they say that the walls were actually built wide enough that a chariot could ride around the top of the wall to patrol and to watch, look out and so on to see what was going on. That's how thick these walls were. This was not, you know, a, a wall made out of plywood and, and what do you call it? And I almost said styrofoam, sheetrock and all of that stuff. All right. This was a wall. It was huge. Wide enough for a chariot. Okay, so a chariot usually usually had two horses. Sometimes they had four, but a minimum of two horses, basically. So you know how wide two horses would be. It was a big, thick wall. So when God told them this, you can imagine some people standing back and saying, "What? how is this going to make those walls collapse? How is this going to help me to get that city? When they're telling me to, 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 uh, to get seven priests, uh, seven trumpets, march around for seven days, seven times, then the priests shall shout and blow the trumpets. How is that going to make these walls fall? Okay, and I'm not going to read through the whole story because you know how it goes. But let's just quickly jump to verse number 20, Joshua 6:20. Okay, Joshua 6:20, and it says, "So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat." Underline, please. The wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. So here you see, you can highlight or, or put a bracket around those two verses, the result of, this, of, of the physical thing to march around the city, to shout with the trumpet and so on like that, which may have seemed to some to be so ins- inconsequential or so ridiculous, but you see what the result was. So it goes back to what I said before. A physical act can bring about a powerful spiritual result. So when you think that's something that God may be telling you to do, or you feel an unction in your, whole, in, in, in your, in your gut, an unction in your spirit, that this is what I want you to do in the physical and the natural realm, do not think that it's, it, it is so silly and unrelated, because if you do what God is telling you to do, you could possibly see a very, very powerful spiritual event in your life. You see? So the point I'm making here is that in the onset of this message here, I started talking about how many really, really, really want to get deeply involved with God and how many really want to know and move to the next, to the next step in the Lord. And you heard God saying that he's reaching out. He wants to touch you. Well, search your lives. What's going on in your lives? Is there anything? Is there someone? Are there sets of, uh, sets of circumstances that are keeping and preventing you from putting God first? Okay? And you know when you're putting God on the second burner, especially if you have a plan to do something for the Lord, then all of a sudden something comes up or, or someone calls or whatever the case may be that would prevent you from doing where God is calling you to be. Maybe there is a fast that you need to, to do. Fast from something. Fast from someone. 
If you have a, uh, well, I don't know if people watch soap operas these days anymore, but I mean, if there's a soap opera that comes at the same time that you usually pray to God, what do you do? You put that soap opera on first, I'll pray to God later. Alright? Well, there's a movie that's coming, oh boy, oh boy, forgetting you got a DVR, you can record the thing, but you choose to sit down and watch the movie instead of that prayer time that you have with God. So maybe there's something that you need to fast from. Maybe God is telling you or will tell you that there's something that you want you to do. Everyone stand up for a moment. It's the stretch. The stretch. Okay. All right, maybe seated. I bind up that spirit of slumber in the name of Jesus. Maybe see the praise of the living God. This is too important, too important for you. You need to hear what the word of God is saying, especially where we are praying and hoping for different things in the name of Jesus. Amen. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. Let's go to the book of um, Exodus, Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Praise the living God. Exodus 17. Okay. 17, verse 8. Okay, now this is where Israel was having, you know, issues with, with, with Amalek and so on. And it says in verse number 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, underline verse 11 here, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and uh, thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built up, built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. All right. So the key verse there is verses, verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. When he held up, when he held up his hand, Israel was victorious. And when he dropped his hands, the enemy was victorious. A physical act can bring about a powerful spiritual event. Who would say that if you simply stand there and hold up the rod of God, that Israel will indeed win and, and prevail in the battle? Oh, that's silly, that's silly. How can just holding up my hands make Israel win in the battle? And if I drop my hands, how will that make them all of a sudden start losing? Amen? But you can see that's exactly what happened. So the things that God tells us to do in this life, which if we want to be uh, successful, if we want to benefit from what God is telling us to do, and if we really, really are sincere and serious about getting closer to God and growing in Him, and you want to see spiritual um, breakthroughs in your life, you need to find out what is it, God, that I might need to do. What might be keeping me from you? A physical act could indeed bring about a powerful spiritual result in your life. I told you all last week that in March, mid-March or so, God told me to anoint all of you for all of April, which, went, which meant five anointings. He said, do not mention it. Do not discuss it from the pulpit, simply to do it. I didn't question God why or, or, or why not say anything. Or you had, God just said, simply do it and just don't talk about it. And I did what God told me to do. And as a result, there have been some blessings among you. You're seeing the acts of God moving in your lives. God is just now beginning. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. What if I had just chosen to poo-poo and dismiss uh, five weeks? Uh, what if I do it three weeks, Lord? Or, gee, I may want to stay home on the fourth week. What if I skip that week? Or what if I don't do it? God said five weeks, I do five weeks. 
A physical act can bring, a, can bring about a spiritual, powerful spiritual uh, event. Like I said, many of you have received blessings as a result. And I say to you today that there's more to come. There's more to come. God was giving you but a glimmer. God was giving you but a glimpse of what he can do when you're faithful to him. God was giving you but just a little, a little peek at what he can do. If you decide in your life that you're going to move from the mundane things that people talk about doing or that church talks about doing to get into the deep spiritual things that the word of God talks about. And do not think that this was done in the Old Testament. This was done back then. It's not prevalent for today. It doesn't apply to today. God said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that the same thing that applied to Israel applies to you sitting there in your chair. The same principles are true. No matter whether you are here in in Salem, Oregon, or here in New York, guess what? Or there in New York, guess what? The rules of gravity apply. You jump off a building in Salem, you got a problem. Jump off a building in New York, you got a problem. Okay? You jump off a building today, you got a problem. Jump off a, if you survive, jump off a building tomorrow, you got a problem. You do it next week, you got a problem. The rules don't change. God does not change. He will not change. And so he's saying to you that if you will follow me, what I'm telling you to do, you see, and, 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 and you know, you know, you know when God is telling you to do something. You know it. You know it deep in your spirit that this is what you should do. You know deep in your spirit this is what I should not do. Okay? You know. So if you will follow what God is telling you to do, and don't look at it from man's perspective. Don't look at it from man's, man's perspective. you got to think, you have to decide, how deep do I want to get with God? Do I want to get just beyond the surface stuff? Do I want to get beyond just kind of saying, you know, and I'm not knocking, now I lay me down to sleep. But do you want to get beyond like a little kid where you fold your hands and you say, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord, you know. Or do you want to get to some real deep spiritual prayer with God where there's some revelation? Okay? God has it so set up that if you desire, really, really desire to understand him deeply and to be moved and touched by him deeply, God will respond, boy, he will respond where you will have your head spinning in a good way. Amen. You'll say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. And the beautiful thing is that when those oh, wow moments come, when another moment comes along that is challenging or trying for you or difficult for you, if you're really walking in God, you know what? God is such a wonderful, loving father that when you get into that next time, and you will have that next time where there's a, there's a tribulation, there's a trial, where there's something that's troubling you. But the comforter, who is indeed, Holy Spirit, who is indeed the comforter, who really loves you, he'll come and embrace you with his arms and he says, do you remember? Do you remember that, oh, wow, moment that you had last week? Or six months ago, remember that? Remember how great that felt when you had that oh wow moment? God hasn't changed. There's another oh wow moment coming for you. Just hold on. Just hold, there's another oh wow moment coming for you. Just hold on. But in the meantime, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to grab some trumpets. I want you to walk around the wall six times. Amen? Okay, okay. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to pray for my people for five weeks in a row. Amen? Okay? And that thing to you may seem so unrelated to what your issue is. It may seem so unrelated that you may be tempted to say, Why, God? Until you've had enough. Until you've had enough of those oh wow moments with God. And that you realize Hey, this is not a crazy thing at all. Go up and hold up my hands so that we will win in the battle, so that the enemy won't prevail. No problem, Lord. I'll hold my hands. Jump up. How high, Lord? Amen? You have enough of those oh, wow moments and you make a connection that the physical things in life, the physical act, can bring about powerful spiritual results in your life. It won't be so foreign to you. It won't be so weird. 
Amen. Amen. So we see here that that Israel prevailed as long as he had as he held up his hands there. Maybe God wants you to really deeply praise him in outward manner. Maybe God will want you to deeply praise him in an outward manner. You know, and, and it's been debated back and forth in the church for God knows how long about how do we praise God? You know, simply the raising of hands. Do I have to raise my hands to praise God? Well, no, you don't. Do you have to say in the name of Jesus at the end of a prayer? Well, no, you don't. It's up to you. It's up to you. Okay? But sometimes an act, a physical act, will have powerful spiritual results. The church has bickered and bantered for years over whether or not we should raise our hands in praise. And it, it's been in, in, the, in the charismatic or the Pentecostal movement for God knows how long. Whereas in other places you'll find that it just isn't done. Some people feel uncomfortable about raising their hands and praising God. Whereas anyone that's been in a Pentecostal charismatic environment for any period of time, it's, 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 it's second nature. You walk into a church, you see 200 people standing there with their hands raised. I was looking at a, a Christian concert by Paul Wilbur the, the other day on, on YouTube there. And I mean, and my gosh, I mean, not only were they praising their hands, I mean, the, the camera panned on some of the faces. And you can see these people just, just lost in the Holy Spirit. Some were crying. I mean, you can see that, 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 that they were being touched by God. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. Powerful, okay? The raising of hands, the raising of hands. Go to 1 Timothy. One Timothy. One Timothy chapter two. Uh, <clears throat> Let's just start at verse one. I exalt therefore I exhort therefore. I'll wait for everyone's there. Okay. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Just as an aside there, say that we should pray for kings and all that are in authority. I don't care who they are. We need to be praying for people that are in authority, whether we like them or dislike them, him or her or whatever. We need to be praying for them. And why? Because it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ who gave himself a ransom for all men to be testified in due time. Uh, whereunto, uh, whereunto, I'm sorry, ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore, I will therefore, that men, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Please underline that. Verse 8. I will therefore that, that men everywhere... Pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So, he, so you see here where Timothy is talking about the raising of hands. Go to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. And I'm simply sharing this with you because you need to ask yourself, is there anything that is preventing me, Lord, from, from, from really, really touching, from really, really being touched by you and moving into the place that you want me to be? Deuteronomy 32. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. You have to remember that we operate in two realms. We operate in the physical realm and also in the spiritual realm. But the things of the spiritual realm are far more important that we be aware of and that we try to adhere to. 32 verse number 40. Underline that. For I lift up my hands to heaven and say, I live forever. Again, the lifting up of hands. Go to Psalm. The book of Psalm. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. 
Okay, verse number 1. Psalm 63, verse number 1. Praise the living God. A physical act can bring about powerful, powerful uh, spiritual actions, spiritual activities, spiritual blessings. Psalm 63, to start with verse number 1. God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul uh, thirsteth for thee, being thirsty for God. My flesh longs for me in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So in other words, you know, we should be seeing and experiencing God's power and glory, not only in church. You should be seeing and experiencing God's power and glory in your house, in your home, in your day-to-day life. Okay? But it's all tied to also, it says that I will, an active, an active choice. I think Brother Brandon touched on this a couple of weeks back, where I will to seek you. My soul is thirsty for you. My flesh longs for thee. Verse 2, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall do what? Praise thee. Underline, my lips will praise thee. Because my loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise thee. Verse 4, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Underline, I will lift up my hands in thy name. Okay? So verse number three there, because thy loving kindness is better than life, if you believe that God's loving kindness is better than life's life, then your lips will praise him. Do you have a hard time praising God? Do you have a hard time praising him? You know? And God knows when you're really praising him, or if you're just going through the emotions. Like and, and, and you can see it on the faces of people when they are really, really caught up in prayer. That's why during praise and worship, we try to minimize, we try to minimize distractions and, and things like that. Because we're going to give people the opportunity to connect with God. And like I said, if you see people on those YouTube videos, I mean, just, just, just find a good worship, worship leader, a good ministry, uh, and, and just do a YouTube thing and, and look at the congregation when you see people praising. When they're really praising, you can see it on their faces. They're not worried about who's around, if they're connecting with God, with Holy Spirit. The raising of hands is all, it's surrendering to God, it's also blessing God. And there are too many scriptures for me to go over during this time. But there, there are so many scriptures on the raising of hands, the positions of hands. Okay, this way is prayer and supplication where you're asking God. This way is where you're blessing God. But the whole thing is just being there to just surrendering to God and say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. God knows that if you've got something that you're praying for, something that you're hoping for, God knows that if there's a major decisions that you have to make, God knows that if there's something going on in your life that you're trying to eliminate or to alleviate the problem or, or trying to get some direction from, my gosh, if you cannot stand up there, if you are too proud, which is part of some people's problems, to actually raise your hand and to praise God and say, God, I, I, I need your help, Lord, I surrender to you then it's very hard for Holy Spirit to relate to you, to connect with you, because there's still that sense of pride that is in it that is, is hindering you from truly connecting with God. Amen? Now, I'm not saying by any means, do not take this, I'm saying that from this pulpit, I am mandating that everyone raise their hands. I am not saying that at all. I am not, not, not saying that. It's not Genesis 1 saying everyone prays and has to raise. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying to you is what the Word of God says here. I'm just giving you what the word of God, the choice is always yours, what you want to do. And I'm not passing judgment on whether you do or not. That, I'm here, i got my own time praising with God here, all right? So half the time, I'm not even looking at you guys. Anyways, you do what you want to do. Amen? I'm praising God for me. Amen? 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 So, so it just says that though, I will bless thee as I live. I will lift up my hands to, to thee, and uh, I will lift up my hands in thy name. And the last scripture on that, just uh, uh, one minute, Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I just want to give you just a few of these verses here because it is so prominent throughout the Bible. Psalm 119, praise the living God. And I didn't even get into New Testament. I'm just here in the Old Testament for right now. 119, verse 48. Okay, and uh, matter of fact, let's do 41, starting at 41. Psalm 119, 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith uh, to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. 
And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I seek thy precepts. I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Underline that, please. I will speak thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Are you ashamed to speak of God's testimonies in front of anybody? Amen. Amen. You have to be able to really be bold and proud about testifying what God has done in your life and what God can do. Amen. Verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. Please underline verse 48. My hands also will I lift up. And it goes on and on and on. Psalm 28, 2, which you don't have to go there right now. It says, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Matter of fact, maybe you should go go to Psalm 28 and underline this for future, because here it's saying that uh, hear the voice of my supplications. When you're crying out to God and there's some help that you need for something and you're asking God for something. Okay, supplications, you're, you're asking God, there's a need that you have and you're praying to him. Uh, Psalm 28. And just to get one, started one so we can just lead into number two. Psalm 28, verse number one. Praise the living God. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy, thy holy oracle. All right, underline that, please. When I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Matter of fact, I just love this script. I'm going to finish 28 here real quickly here. Um, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Underline that, please. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with my song. Will I praise him? The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Verse 8, the Lord is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Well, guess what? His anointed is you. You're one of God's anointed. The word of God says, touch not my anointed and do his prophets no harm. Amen? So you're his anointed. So we see here again, though, another instance where it talks about the raising of hands. A physical act can bring powerful spiritual results. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future. We won't go there right now, but put down 29, 11. You can go to it later. For I know the plan. God has plans for you. God has plans for you, but the way that you can activate those plans entirely depends on you. Whether you will do what God is calling you to do, whether you will do what God is calling you um, uh, to do in terms of uh, uh, anything that you need to do in your life, any, any, any fasting that you may to do, any shifts in the way that you, you are managing, quote unquote, your life. Amen. Amen. Psalm 37, 1 through 5, talks about committing to him all of your ways. Okay, committing to God means to actually roll over, to give your life, to roll over the issues of life that you have, to roll it over to him. God wants to be first in all things, in attending church regularly. Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. Now, this is a commonly understood thing, but we kind of just take it for granted. Amen. 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 You've got to plan your life around God first, not putting God second or last. If you have any other event on your calendar that is really important, you got a birthday party, you put that on your calendar, 
got a wedding, put that on your calendar. And then anybody that comes to you with any other requests or appointment for your time, you say, well, I'm good except for this particular day. I've got the wedding. I've got the birthday. And you don't touch that date. You schedule around it. Well, so it's got to be with God in our lives. You got to put God first. Where you're scheduling things around God. Where your time with God, be it for prayer, be it for church, be it for whatever it is that you have set up with time with God, you do not alter that. You put God first. You don't cross out that appointment. Let me see. Well, let me see. Well, maybe I, you know, when I was working in the secular world there, many times I rescheduled meetings based on what was ever was coming up. But a meeting that was really, really important with the legislature or whatever I had to do was on my calendar. That couldn't be touched. And any request for meetings that came that way, I would say, no, but July 18th, I can't touch it because I'm due over at the Capitol. I can't do that. I have to schedule around that. And my assistant did the same thing. She scheduled, oh, no, he's tied up. He can't do it. You've got to get to that point where you're like that with God, where you schedule things around God. He's got to be first in your life. Do you let other things get scheduled before him, or do you schedule things around him or putting him first? You've got to minimize the distractions and the things that would hinder your blessings. Okay? Many times, God will want you to be someplace, or to do something, or to say something, because he wants to see your reaction. A physical act can bring about powerful spiritual results. God will plan something, will want to talk to you, will want to touch you, or whatever it may be, or just to see if you're going to be obedient to the call of his spirit. And then you don't keep that, or you don't do what God is calling you to do, or you let yourself be distracted. You don't know what impact you may be having on your life, success or failure, success or failure. We operate in a spiritual realm. Besides just the physical, you know, we try to understand things and try to understand things of life through the physical world. That's all well and good. When it comes down to understanding the things of the spirit, your spirit, you, is not good enough just to go by the things of the world. You've got to move yourself in your thinking and your, your heart and your efforts and your energies into the spiritual realm where God is. And that's putting God's first. Amen. 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 So I pray that as you go forward and looking for that blessing, because God has said that there are still still things in the works that God is still working. He's given you but a glimpse of some things that he can do. The power, the power, the power that he has that are, um, there's a lot yet more to come. But you've got to commit in your heart and in your mind that you're going to do and go where God will have you to be in his time. Because when you do things in his time, then it's, it's awesome. It's a blessing. Amen. Amen. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.